Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to David Locke here momentarily. Don't forget Dennis Lindsay is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It'll be good to have a few minutes with uh, Dennis Gordon and talk to him about where the franchise is at, uh, his satisfaction level for the past season, and uh, where they're, uh, what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's uh, on everybody's mind because you see the Jazz – uh, playing the way they did in the playoffs, and the, you can see little things that need to be adjusted. And if uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is added to that mix and it moves forward from there, get a little defense, and they might be able to, you know, really contend. Yeah, it's just hard to add all that stuff at once and negotiate the salary cap and figure out what you're doing for the future. You know, I love the game behind the game, Gordon. I, I really do. I, I think it's fascinating. I'd love to be uh, a fly on the wall of, of Dennis Lindsay's office for a period of time. I think it'd be, it'd be ex- incredibly interesting. But I don't envy his position because it's not easy. And, and doing what you just described is, is not easy. Well, you're pretty good at the numbers, Jake, and you, when you factor in all of that, that just complicates it by 10, you know? I mean, so, yeah, they just have to be somewhat responsible with the money they're spending uh, because the only thing worse than not spending the money is spending the money on the wrong people. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no doubt about that, and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to to fly through here and find this quote that uh, Dennis gave earlier today. At, uh, at his press conference where he was talking about what they need to add, and it sounds really good, but I'll, I'll compare it to something that, uh, that uh, Locke uh, talked to us about yesterday, or excuse me, last week, Gordon. And, of course, as I funnel through this, I, I can't find the exact thing. But he said uh, basically they're looking for anybody with defensive integrity is what he said. Oh, here it yes. is, right, right here, Gordon. Um, uh-huh. here, here's the quote for you. He said, uh, we lost some defensive integrity, some activities, some deflections. So it's an adjustment, and we'll see. But anybody who has defensive integrity at their position can be an active, can be an active athletic defender, will be someone that will be of interest to us, especially if they don't compromise the spacing, unquote. Which I love that part at the end because it, get, it gets back to what we talked a lot about last week, Gordon, that if you get an athletic wing defender who has the build and all the intent – intangibles and can go guard the other team's best player and I was also good on offense those guys are called (laughs) all-stars those guys are really tough to find isn't that what you call three and d well yeah I mean that's exactly what he's getting at and and maybe it's a little easier to find a quote-unquote three and d guy but I mean there there's a lot of value there players who can do just that are worth a lot in this league right now if I were a rookie coming into the NBA, I would do everything possible to play good defense because I, I think some players really do underestimate the value that brings to you. It certainly does in the minds of uh, seasoned basketball executives. 
and certainly coaches as well. But you gotta, you cannot penalize your team at the offensive end. You gotta at least be able to hit an open shot if you get it. Because you can't play four on five um, on on offense, and and if your guy doesn't have to guard you, he's going to pay attention to somebody else, and you know. Donovan Mitchell, for example. So, you know, spacing is a, it's a big thing. It's a buzzword in that Jazz front office, and it's a big deal. But it's not the whole story because you've got to have somebody that can be useful guarding. And it's, you know, it's Torrey Craig for Denver in the, the Jazz series. And Torrey Craig's numbers from outside actually aren't bad. But the Jazz didn't guard him, you know. He's a great defensive player, and at times he was good mm-hmm. against Donovan. But the Jazz didn't pay any sort of attention to him. You have to have some gravity and that's why those players are so so hard to come by. Yeah, Bruce Bowen, Gordon, would made uh, made a fortune in the modern NBA. Somebody like that who can play that kind of defense yeah. and, and make open threes at that kind of clip. He was he was born in the wrong era. <laughs> well, that's that's I mean that is so very valuable. I remember when people used to talk about forwards as though they were afterthoughts. And now if you get one that can play defense and shoot it with a size, then you've got everything you need to be extremely valuable and successful in the NBA. Brian Russell was certainly valuable for those Jazz teams that went to the finals. He'd be way more valuable in today's day and age, don't you think? A guy who could play defense like that but stand out there and bang threes? He'd be super valuable. How many threes? I'll, I'll look this up. I bet, Brian, how many threes do you think he was taking per game, Gordon? Two, three maybe? Imagine if you gave him 10 threes a game well, and told him then. to go play defense. You know, I mean, he'd be so valuable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How tall was Brian? 6'4", uh, 6'5". Six, six, Does that sound right? I thought he was a little taller than that, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, let's um, see here. 6'7". Yeah. You were right really... about that, Gordon. 6'7". Yeah. I, people used to talk about point guards and centers. And that was old-school NBA basketball. If you had those two things, those were your top priorities. Now, well, it doesn't hurt to have those things, but especially nowadays, the point guards who can score. But wing defenders who can punish you? Ooh, baby. All right, it is time to talk to David Locke, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. David, do you want to have a, a, an old school versus new school discussion with Gordon and I? I'd be curious for you to weigh in. Well, what am I? What, what are you, old school I mean, or new school? I, I'm re- I'm really old, so what am I? Am I old school or am I new school? You seem like a pretty new school guy to me. All right, so I'm modern, I'm modern but old. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay. How much more valuable <laughs> would Brian Russell with his game, 3 and D guy, how much more valuable would he be in today's game? Um, well, I, I think 3 and D is dead. So I don't think... Brian Russell, per se, would be particularly valuable in today's game. Explain that. 3 and D's dead. So how many guys are out there that are actually really – it's not dead, but how, the, game is, the game hasn't gone small. That's a, that's a mistake when everyone says that. The game has gone skilled. And so how many guys are out there that are really, like, can't dribble and can't pass? 
and just shooters anymore. Yeah. Right, like Tory Craig might be one of them. Like that's a pretty unique. He got hard to play as that playoff series went on, right? So how many guys? You know, Brian Russell couldn't dribble and couldn't pass. Um, so who? How many guys in the league are there that can't dribble and can't pass to play? It's like remember Ryan Anderson? Mm-hmm. Like he was the first stretch four, um, and everyone you know he was so good and everything like that. And then, but then he couldn't dribble and he couldn't pass. And all of a sudden, he went from being like four to being like out of the league. Um, so I think you have to you have to keep an eye on um, on that. So that that would be my quick my quick reaction. So, David, describe somebody in the league that you think fits the the modern NBA ideal. Uh, I mean, I'll take LeBron. Well, I mean, I mean, like, like what? It's help me out on that. Like, I mean, I think. I I, I was thinking more along. Paul uh, George is kind of like the perfect body player, like a little bit. I mean, he's not the perfect player. I'll take Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I think Luka Doncic, the 6'9", ability to play with the ball in his hands is kind of a pretty special thing that we have going on in the league right now. How about somebody like Clay Thompson? Well, Clay's special because he plays unique in the sense he doesn't he doesn't handle a lot, right? Like, you know, that he might be more uh, appropriate to that system, and, and that system deserves some credit for Clay because he was able to have that, what, 60-whatever-point 60 60 game with, like, five dribbles, right? So, I mean, Clay just in his pure ability to shoot, but, like, he's got to be in a pretty unique situation that he's able to do, it, to do that. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to switch gears with you, David, and talk to you about Rudy. And I I thought you gave a really great breakdown on Rudy's situation with Hans and Scotty. And kind of uh, adding to that conversation, I read Andy Larson's work a couple of days ago in the Trib, and he said something that I I haven't heard from anywhere else, and I, I want your thoughts on it. He was talking about what Rudy's eligible for from an extension, and then adds this, uh, Andy says, but at this point, both parties know that Gobert is worth somewhat less than the Supermax. He isn't going to get that huge number. you think Rudy's camp has come to that conclusion, or are you hearing that Rudy's camp has come to that conclusion? David, you still with us? All right, we'll get back to David. Gordon, we're having a day. Question: uh, I think that's a heck of a question, Jake. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious because David's dialed in, and you know he hears stuff, but also David's you know around the players more so than we are, and I think would have a decent grip on on answering that question. Or maybe he says he he hasn't heard it and he'll leave it there. I don't know, but uh, if, I would be curious to David's answer to that. If I were Rudy's people, I would I would couch that a different way. I would say Rudy is willing to sacrifice for the good of the team. Well, yeah, you can sell it however you want. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably sell it different if I were his team too. Mm-hmm. 
as opposed to, yeah, our guy really isn't worthy of the Supermax. Uh, no, he's uh, generous. He's generous. All right. David is is back with us. And, uh, David, let me let me reset this question really quick here. So I, I muted myself, which think about how many people have been trying to do that over the last 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you got the gist of my question. Andy reported so, that, yeah, that I, Rudy's I mean, camp think, may be amenable to something. So I think that's, you know, that's great. And so... You know, the one thing we haven't talked about in all this conversation is the fact that it's an extension that the Jazz can offer now that if he turns it down and they don't come to a number, then he risks, he has the risk of playing a year without it, you know, before he gets it. So the, the number that I've gotten from people I've talked to around the league is thir- in the 30s, just, you know, for Rudy. Now, that could be 31, that could be 35 but it seems to be in the 30s for Rudy. Um, the Supermax just gets funky because if the cap keeps going up, it just keeps going up too. And so that's the, that's the problem to the soup, with the Supermax and why it's, it's so darn prohibitive. Um, and so that's, I think, if, if Andy is accurate in that report, that's great news because that means that now you can go start trying to negotiate something in the 30s around there that then is enough money that for Rudy to bypass it would mean that Rudy's taking just a tremendous risk. So, David, let me ask you a really stupid question, but maybe you have Gordon some Gordon Monson, don't you know there are no stupid questions in life? <laughs> Only the questions unasked. That's what we told our children. Yes. Uh, and this but is this the was... opening month of school. People are lying to their kids with that right now every day. So you've got to keep that myth alive. No it's, stupid questions. It, Tell that to a sixteen-year-old kid that's mocking. <laughs> that's mocking the kid that just asked the stupid question. I love mocking myself, but I don't know how well you know Rudy. Is he driven by money, or is that? I mean, obviously everybody wants to make what they can, but it, some it seems more important to some than others. And when it comes down to just negotiating back and forth, you know. So there, I'm going to make a comment here that will sound strange. I don't think any of them are driven by money. They're all driven by respect. And you know how you get respect in the NBA? Money. Right. So I remember talking specifically to Gordon Hayward when he was up for his extension. And Gordon was like, I'm getting the max. I don't give a crap about anything else. I'm getting the max. I was like, yeah, but he's like, no. Because then I'm a max player. Then I get treated like a max player when I go to the All-Star game. Then I get treated like a max player by the officials. Then I get treated by the max player by everyone. That, that was the issue. Then I'm a max player. I take a dollar less than the max. I'm not a max player. And so that's the tricky part here with Rudy. The fact that he's willing to say I'm not part of the Supermax, that's terrific. But the tricky part is by saying you're not part of the Supermax, then – you know, you kind of are, you're, you're, and, and you know what? There's just very few players that are part of our Supermax players. So, you know, I think that's probably a reasonable observation, but you've got to be a, you know, he's got to be pretty darn close to the max or, or above um, for that to work. So, you know, I think that's the, I think that's the trick here is if you're dealing with respect, um, for from the player's point of view, more than you are money, and the money is the status you get from that contract, and 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 you believe 
but you get treated differently around the league in all aspects because of it. David Locke is with us, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. His interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. Um, David, uh, Gordon and I spent a large part of today's show talking about what the offseason may look like for the Jazz, and we talked about um, the possibility of making a trade. My question to you is, is what assets do the Jazz have to move if they wanted to make a move? What, what value assets do they have currently? Oh, I mean, so we're – I think they actually have – a lot of value assets that they could move. Um, you know, I mean, Mike Conley is at 30 some odd million. That's a big number, but does somebody else have a $30 million deal that they, that they want out from under and it's the right move. Right. And, and it's, and I'm not suggesting that as a good choice. You know, I think most of us consider Joe Ingalls as someone we'd never want to move um, at the same time. You know, he's really, really good, and he's on a reasonable contract and is probably a, a somewhat movable entity if we, if someone thought he could do – you know, he's pretty unique to us. But, you know, that's someone you get that contract, that, that extension, um, means he goes out longer, which could be negative or positive, depending on your point of view. Um, you know, Royce O'Neal has been extended, and so you get – you know, you know exactly what you're going to get. Um, these are the reasons you don't want to move these guys because – you know, they have value to you. Um, who else would I put into that? I mean, you know, I mean, I think some of our younger players are not worth moving because they're too cheap. And frankly, if we're playing Mike Conley 30 and Boyan 20 and Joe, what, 18 and Donovan, a big number here pretty soon, then guess what? We, we got to pay somebody a small number. And so I think Jarrell Brantley and Mia Oni and, and Rajon Tucker become pretty darn important. Uh, and Jawan Morgan become pretty darn important to us next year. I think it's important to have, you know, minutes from those guys. So I, I think that there are movable pieces um, from the Jazz standpoint. I don't know that there's a lot out there that, um, you know, moves the meter on who the Jazz are, you know, and changes and changes our franchise because we acquired them. David uh, Jordan Clarkson made three point five, uh, thirteen point five million this year, I believe, somewhere around there. What's it going to take for the Jazz to keep him around? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, and it might be one of those awkward things where you need him to go test the market because thirteen point five feels like too much for me. For what is your, you know, if he's not a fourth guard, that's not a fair comment. He's he's your he's in, he's your fourth or fifth wing rotation guy. You know, if you count point guards in those three. So, I mean, he's important, but that's a lot of money for, you know, if you're probably assuming that Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and Royce O'Neal are all playing more minutes than him. So that's your fifth guy of that probably five-guy combination. That that gets to be a lot for that. Um, I don't think he's going to get a great deal more than the mid-level exception on the marketplace. Um, I think that's the reality of – for him, an unfortunate market that he's walking into. And so, you know, how do we placate him so that we're not being rude by not giving him more than 13, but at the same time, you know, the marketplace isn't really bearing him to get much more than 13. So that would be complicated. The other question is, you know, 13 is a lot of 13. We can't use 13. Like we don't, sign Jordan we don't get 13 to play with but we do get the mid-level exception and the mid-level exception might be pretty positive spot to be 
um, for teams in in this market. I, I think this is going to be a tough market. David, switching gears from the Jazz for a moment, are the Bucks a flawed team? Boy, this gets into a much larger conversation for me that I have not come to grips with yet as an answer, and um, and I don't know entire. So I don't entirely know how we evaluate bubble basketball. It's going to be the most recent thing we have. And so we're going to look at it, and, and it's going to be the thing we, you know, and it's going to be the playoffs. And But bubble basketball is different. And I don't, I don't know whether or not bubble basketball was, is a fair way to evaluate people. Um, you know, they, I, I got a lot of thoughts in Milwaukee. I got to try. To, I don't have, but I don't feel comfortable in an on-air situation as an expert giving any of them. How's that? <laughs> uh, savvy. So, David, let me ask you something that I heard Dennis Lindsay say earlier today when uh, he was talking about the bubble situation and uh, how well some players were playing when they are a little more rested staying in one place, he suggested perhaps uh, a baseball model where teams could go in and play the same team multiple times and get more rested up that way. What do you think? I think there's, I mean, Dennis is very creative at all of these. I mean, Dennis has had another idea, which I don't know if he's ever gone public with, which he has sent out to the NBA multiple times trying to get something that would be crazy. It'd be really fabulous to the game and interesting i don't know if i'm sorry i held the conversation with dennis i don't know if i'm allowed to be public with it um but it's you know he's very creative in these kind of ideas for the league so um i do think you know i've said the whole time i think this would be the i think this is gonna be the greatest basketball i've ever seen in the history of the game because these guys are these guys are rested and um and they're not traveling and so i think that that's i think they're you know that that's true. I, I agree with Dennis 100 percent on that, um, and I do think we're going to see. You know, it looks like we're heading toward Clippers, Lakers, and Celtics, Miami, and uh, I think you're going to see just truly some incredible, incredible basketball. It's certainly going to feel like varsity getting ready for junior varsity in the finals, but I think that the Celtics in the finals will be a will be a real match for whoever they play. Still confident about that Celtics pick. I like it. If you've called it from the very first day, you probably should hold on to it, right? (laughs) I would. I'm not judging. I'm saying you should be doing it. I'd be doing the same thing. Um, Thank you, David. As always, thanks for jumping on with us. Okay, talk to you soon. See you, buddy. It's our friend David Locke uh, with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll talk uh, more jazz coming up, but right now let's jump out to The Zone phone. Joining us now, uh, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Zions Bank. He is Rob Bruff with us here on The Big Show. Uh, what do you think, Rob? Good info from David right there, I thought. Great info. Always good insight from David. He, he's he got his ear to the ground, and he's he's as good a basketball mind as there is. Uh, no doubt about it. And uh, he likes to take care of his listeners just like you like to take care of our listeners and particularly those in small business out there. Let's talk a little bit about that, Rob. Well, we do. And, you know, we, we recognize that small businesses are really the lifeblood of our economy and of our community. And particularly during this challenging time, we have reached out and been able to help almost 48,000 small businesses who have found themselves in particular need during this time and provide them with some 
much-needed emergency funding to help them weather this this challenge, and and in particular help them keep employees on their payroll. So we're something we're really proud of. Yeah, how different has it been for you guys at, at Zions Bank? Because this is a situation uh, no one's really gone through before, unless you were alive in the early 1900s. I mean, how's it gone for you guys adapting to to help so many people out? Yeah, there's no playbook for this, is there? And, no. and uh, you know, one of the things that we've all become accustomed to is, is working remotely and, and doing things uh, in a much different way. And so in addition to what we've done with small businesses and helping them out, you know, so much of what we do now is, has moved digitally and gone online. But, but I would also say that I think one of the things that this has really shown us is the value of a relationship with your bank, that when you need someone, you've got someone you can reach out to. Uh, you, can, you can do everything you need to digitally, but also you can pick up the phone. You can call someone you can rely on. Pretty darn cool, Rob. We appreciate it, and we'll uh, catch up with you soon. Hey, thanks so much, Jake. All right, that's our friend Rob Bruff from Zions Bank with us here on The Big Show. We'll talk more basketball coming up. Don't forget, Dennis Lindsay is on the show at 5 o'clock. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So put your hands together and please welcome... This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks to David Locke for jumping on with us in the last segment. Um, I thought it was interesting what he said about 3 and D players, um, Gordon, and, and I, I agree with him in principle that, you know, the NBA is definitely moving more skilled. What what How many dimensions do you have as a, have as a player? But I, I think what Dennis Lindsay was saying, you know, somebody with some defensive intensity and who can also maintain the spacing, you know, maybe put a different label on there, but I, I feel like there is value there. Yeah, I I see both sides of that conversation, and it seems like there are some people, some players, who can't pass uh, very well, who are really good shooters. But, I mean, if you're good enough to shoot, shouldn't you be good enough to pass? No. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> you should be coordinated enough to do it, it seems like. Uh, but, uh, yeah, spacing is so important in the jazz offense. Isn't that, uh, isn't that kind of like saying you're you're coordinated enough to write, but why can't you sew? Wouldn't that be similar? Aren't they completely different skills, shooting and passing? I if you're I don't know if you've got good hand eye, you should be able to do multiple things well. Well, that okay. Okay. I don't know. Well, you have fine penmanship, Gordon. Now go knit me a scarf. (laughs) I guess there's timing involved in in all that. You have to be able to anticipate because the basket's basket's not moving. (laughs) Well, there's also geometry involved and all those sorts of things. You know, people think differently. Okay. But I I think those... Never mind. (laughs) I think those well-rounded players are so hard to come by. 
And can you really, I mean, I, I do think that there was an overlap of ball handlers on the Jazz playoff roster. I don't think, uh, Joe Ingles didn't play well, and I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but his role went back and forth and back and forth all season long. And, you know, the, the lesser role that he was asked to take, he wasn't as good at as the bigger role that he was asked to take. So I, I, there's only one ball. So I wonder, you know, if everybody on the whole team can handle the ball, pass, dribble, shoot, and shoot, is, where's, where's, where's the role for everybody there? Uh, well, there is less of a role and more of a uh, kind of a roll around, you know, I mean, that enables you to use the blender as a part of your offense and guys can pass to one another and uh, whoever gets open gets the shot. So, but you've got to create the shot first. I, I'm very confused by your take just because I, I, I was trying to follow it, but I think I agree. <laughs> Actually, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a contradiction to what I said earlier. But uh, oh, good. I, yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously, it's so valuable to be able. I still can't understand why somebody who can create their own shot can't play defense. That doesn't make sense to me either. Because if you're fast enough and you're strong enough to be able to get your own shot on it, you know, then why can't you D up on somebody? Well, because you're using the wrong word with this opinion, Gordon. What word's that? So take out the word can't and replace it with the word want. <laughs> yeah, probably so. And and uh, we saw what happened with Donovan Mitchell when they put him on Jamal Murray in that game against uh, the Nuggets. You can wear your guy out. So where do you want him to expend the the vast majority of his energy? Right, and uh, you know that's kind of a, a an interesting thing because like if you're Dave Rose in BYU, you know you don't want the Jimmer playing any sort of defense, and so you'll game plan against <laughs> that. But I don't, you know, that's a little harder to do in the NBA and be a, a contender. Right. And win playoff series where the other team can plan against you and not to merge two conversations. But I do think that that is really part of the Bucks problem. It's part of the Rockets problem, too, for that matter. But if you're playing a one off game and the other team's just throwing their kind of cookie cutter game plan at you, as opposed to being able to adjust every minute detail, it exposes your weak spots. And how do you overcome those those weak spots, and is it good enough? You know, the Jazz tried to overcome their weak spot of being small and not particularly gifted on the ball defensively with shooting a bunch, a bunch of threes and funneling everything you possibly could at Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And it was good enough at times, and it wasn't good enough to get them out of the first round. And it's not the whole reason, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the Jazz had their flaws. They tried to make up for it. It didn't work. Milwaukee has some flaws, I think. And uh, again, maybe it's not fair. David Locke's point when he we asked him about this is, is fun. You know, how do you evaluate what's going on in the bubble? It's just so different. But it happened to him against the Raptors last year in the playoffs. You know, they have the the best record in the league for the second year in a row. Yeah. But their yeah. their weakness was exploited, and they couldn't overcome it in a different way. Getting back to the Jazz's weakness, let me see if you agree with me on this, uh, Jake. If when, when the Jazz were playing a team that had a guard who had a good handle and good speed and could, could beat his man off the dribble, then he comes in. Rudy Gobert has to step up 
has to close out and confront that guy. And if there's another player that that player is good enough to pass and hit, then Rudy couldn't. It was he did it on occasion, but he's. It's almost impossible to ask him to guard two people at the same time. Well, right, and especially when it's not in the pick and roll where Rudy is involved in the play, right? Because we saw Denver go totally away from the pick and roll for the entire reason that you're talking about, keep Rudy out of the play. And if uh, if Jamal Murray beats his guy, then you make Rudy make a decision. And what so, you're, you're talking about is exactly the result. So that's why I, I think uh, Dennis, and, and, and certainly from my point of view, I put a lot of value on a player who can who can prevent that from happening because it's so difficult to beat him off the dribble to begin with. And so that's what the Jazz need. Now, whether that person has to keep the uh, integrity of the spacing right at the other end of the floor too, uh, maybe you can find somebody like that who, who say, shoots 34% from three. Is that good enough? Um. I well, I think so, but the the hard part is when we're talking playoff basketball, Gordon, not regular season basketball, but playoff basketball. When you've adjusted uh, for the zillionth time and you're in Game Seven, it inevitably comes down to I've got Jamal Murray, or I've got Donovan Mitchell, or I've got LeBron James, and we're gonna make uh, we're gonna clear it out and make a make room for him to go get us a bucket. Who do you have that can stay in front of that guy? And the best guy the Jazz have at it right now is is Royce O'Neal, and he spent a large portion of his season guarding the other team's best guy. Can you get him help? And can you get a player that can play that role and also not sink you offensively? And that I know we're talking in circles, Gordon, but God, I don't know how many of those guys exist. Hmm. Yeah, me neither. Because I've I've never really looked at it that way. But that seems to be the very specific thing that the Jazz are looking right. for and are in need of. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they're going to have to look around and see who they value in that regard. And there might be some teams who don't need that as much as the Jazz do. And they might be able to pull off a trade. Or they might value a player in the draft uh, over what somebody else will value them because they're, they're not in the same They've got a couple other stoppers on their defensive end, and they may not need that. So, but you're right. If you, if you, what would you do if you saw a guy who you knew could shut down Jamal Murray? Right. But he can't shoot. Do you go get him? Uh, if he can't shoot, no. Okay, let's say he shoots. Well, okay, let me let some 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 mediocre number. Well, let me give you an example of somebody who who exists that the Jazz could never get. But what you're talking about, there's a reason that the Celtics let um, Al Horford go, but mm-hmm. didn't let Marcus Smart go. Mm-hmm. Because whether it's Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker, neither one of those players can defend their way out of a paper bag. So you've got to have somebody to put on the other team's best guard or wing defender. And Marcus Smart's offense is. <laughs> Is good, not great, but he has so much of a value to that team because because uh, Brad Stevens can pull him aside and say, "Hey, Marcus, go take the other team's best player out of the game." And maybe he doesn't uh, completely stop LeBron James, but he's going to do better than most. In fact, all defensive first team this year for Marcus Smart. He allows them to do so much, not unlike the way Draymond Green allowed uh, Golden State to do so much. He was a little different because he he was he's bigger. But he also can be that on-the-ball guy if you need him to be. 
Okay, so let's say the Jazz go out and find their guy who's got the defensive integrity. And you get him out there on the floor, but he's really not a great shooter. Can Quinn Snyder, with his offense that he prefers, find a way to make up for that? If, let's say, the Jazz have Bogdanovich on the court, and they have Joe Ingles, and they have Donovan Mitchell, and they're all on the court with Rudy Gobert and then said defender, uh, can they make up for the fact that uh, the defense isn't going to pay that much attention to the one guy because he's more useful at the defensive end than the offense. I think that's essentially what they have with Royce O'Neal already. Well, Royce has shown a, a propensity to be able to hit the three. Uh... He doesn't take a lot of them, which I think is good because you'd want uh, several other play- members of the team but in some shots. in some respects, I think he, he fits the description of what Locke was talking about earlier. I don't see Royce O'Neal as a great ball handler or a great passer. He's not. He's not. That's not he makes thing. mistakes. You see him turn the ball over. Uh, I, I think he's a decent defender. I don't think he's an elite defender. Uh, but, but he certainly could use some help, that's for sure. He's above average, but or or good, not great, whatever you want to say. And uh, we don't entirely align on Royce O'Neal. I just don't think that there's much better that you can get. Not that you can't add another player to help him. Don't get me wrong, but I think it, I I don't know what's going to be out there if you're looking for a better on-ball defender than Royce O'Neal. I don't know if you can find that. Well, what's Again, so interesting Marcus about Smart that is was it... never leaving Boston because they knew the value. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing about Royce is nobody really wanted him. I bet he'd find some takers now. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, initially when the Jazz got him. Well, and how did he play his way up the, the roster by playing defense? So Maybe they can find somebody like that. Maybe somebody who might be even a little better. Not Sports Sport coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going over the pond, but I, I found this story in the New York Post. Um, before I indicate what happened here, let me ask you, have you ever had your ear clog up? Mm, no, not significantly, I wouldn't say. Austin, you? Well, clog up with, like, wax? Yeah, or whatever. What do you mean, whatever? So that you couldn't with hear, like a... so so that it didn't feel like you could hear very well out of it. I've had water in my ear. I've worn an ear plug. 
<laughs> right. That's what I was meaning. If there, if you, if those little foam earplugs. But sure, I haven't but had some sort of like cockroach in my ear. I'm have you ever have religious you... about making sure I'm hygienically stable. Yeah. Well, have you ever like gone swimming and afterward you could it was like your ear was plugged a little. Yeah, sure. You have water in your ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jake, have you? <laughs> like I just said, <laughs> yes. All right. So uh, this this doctor over, I believe, it was over in England. He had a patient come in who was suffering. We talked the other day about, uh, did we talk about vertigo? We did, yesterday, yeah. He was talking about how he, he had uh, was suffering from uh, equilibrium problems and uh, vertigo, et cetera. Well, he went in to see this doctor who was an ear specialist, and the doctor found 20 years worth of wax and dead skin buildup in this guy's ear. And there's a video here of the doctor extracting the junk that's in this guy's ear, but I would not suggest watching it nor looking at the pictures, really, because it's just disgusting. But they call this doctor the the wax whisperer. <laughs> I'm sure his parents are proud. Yeah. And he uh, he this one patient, it took him over an hour to dig out all the stuff in this guy's ear. And it is truly disgusting. I mean, apparently the guy was suffering. Uh, he had some ear pain and, like I said, uh, disequilibrium and the vertigo. And uh, he, he just got to a point where he couldn't take it anymore. And so he went in. And the doctor asked him, uh, well, have you, have you, do you clean your ears or whatever? And he said he hadn't touched his ear in like 20 years. And there was a whole ball of wax in there, wouldn't as it, it were. Wouldn't your neighbors and close peers <laughs> let you know about the foul odor of 20 years of buildup? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, but don't look at these pictures. It is truly disgusting. Got any more of that uh, hot wax? <laughs> the doctor said, I was shocked by just how much earwax and dead skin I removed. Uh, and he said that at one point he became, quote, slightly nauseous upon uh, witnessing the mountain of refuse. So take care of your ears, folks. Uh, and if you ever have had your ear, one time my ear kind of clogged up a little bit and I went in and the doctor uh uh, took one of these, it was almost like a uh, a water gun almost, and just washed it out, and it felt much better afterwards. So, anyway, it's neat, it, you know, it's it's a story that's neither here nor there. Rob, ready? Oh, good, good. Are we done with your wax? This is wax, this wax, is, wax this on, is wax off. One of your grosser stories. Congratulations. <laughs> um, happy for you. And you managed to, to slip in two bad jokes there at the end. This has been one of your finer segments. Oh, <laughs> it's just one of those things that stand out, you know? You, you hear me? Uh, gratefully, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Zions Bank. He is our good friend, Rob Bruff. And, uh, Rob, I know we, we have a lot to, to talk about here. And, and uh, really, we can go any sort of direction you want because anything is better than talking about earwax. Well, I figured the transition from earwax and dead skin is pretty simple on my part. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, you know online banking, mobile banking, <laughs> yes, and the fact please. that you know so much of uh, – 
so much of what's happening now with, uh, with within banking is is happening online. You know, as we as we social distance, uh, there's a lot that you can do now. In fact, pretty well everything from uh, depositing checks to uh, transferring funds, you name it, you can all be done online and through mobile banking. It's really amazing how things have become so streamlined, Robin. I want you to talk about what you're doing with the zip mortgage thing because it seems like even the most complicated stuff in, in banking several years ago has just been streamlined and simple and right there in your phone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think so many of us have memories of the mortgage process uh, that includes reams of paper and, and uh, your signature over and over again uh, you know, ad nauseum. But now it's, uh, it's much simpler. Through our zip mortgage application process, it's 10 to 15 minutes to apply for a mortgage. So it's zionsbank.com slash zip, and we'll get you taken care of. Thank you, Rob. You're the best. We'll uh, catch up with you in the 5 o'clock hour. All right. Great to visit with you. All right. That's our friend Rob Bruff from uh, Zions Bank. Coming up next, Jazz General Manager Dennis Lindsay, or excuse me, Jazz Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Dennis Lindsay. Of course, Justin Zanuck, Jazz General Manager. He also made some comments earlier today. But Dennis joins the show. Coming up next, stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.